And Father, we, we do thank You for Your goodness and Your presence. We pray that Your Spirit would be unleashed to have its way with our hearts. That our hearts might truly be the throne of Your presence so that all of our thinking, even that which we feel about issues or people, would be touched and transformed by You so that day by day, month by month, year after year, we would be shaped more and more into the likeness of Jesus. May it be so, we pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Steve has mentioned, Stephen has mentioned the uh, stewardship season. And uh, uh, often in years past, we've done a, a single focus on one Sunday about stewardship issues. And so we decided this year maybe we'd spend about six um, because it's kind of important. Um, not that it hasn't been important in the past, but the issue itself uh, demands a lot of attention. And uh, actually, it's more uh, than just about money, although we're going to talk about money because money is important. Money is actually quite a, an amazing barometer to your spiritual health. And we'll, we'll get to money at times, but the idea of stewardship, being a steward, is the fact that you've been entrusted with something, someone more powerful, who has more than you, has entrusted you with something and expects you to care for it rightly. That's what stewardship is all about. And if we are to be good stewards as God's people, we have to have a right heart alignment with God. We have to understand first the relationship that we have with God so that then we can exercise stewardship in all facets of our life. And so what we're going to be looking at uh, in the days to come is the understanding that God, that God is generous toward us. We've titled the series uh, Free for Generosity. Because God has been generous with us. God has been generous with His presence. God has been generous with His love. God has been generous with His healing. God is generous in the sacrifice that He's made in the coming of Jesus so that you might know new life if you'd put your faith and trust in Him. God has been generous in walking with us as a companion. God is generous in so many ways and He is the model for generosity. And because God has been generous toward us, God desires us to learn to be generous with each other. Sometimes that means money. Other times it means our time. It, we could go on ticking off particular issues, but the big idea is this, that God expects and wants to shape in you the ability to be generous with your whole life. With your whole life. God is our example. If I were to define generosity today... I would define it this way, that generosity is the ability to act toward others in like way, in similar ways to how God has acted toward us. So God has acted toward me, and I now am called to act toward others in similar ways. That's what generosity is expected and demands of us. But it all begins not with examining a checking account or looking at our calendar, but it really begins with the state of a heart. It begins with our approach and understanding and looking again in a fresh way at our relationship with God. And one great way that you can understand and know the way God and you're allowing God to work in your life, a great barometer, a great measuring stick, is by examining the amount of contentment you have in your life. How contented is God helping you to be with your life today? In whatever situation, whatever circumstance, in fact, we're going to look at just that reality. 
A few uh, from this church this past weekend uh, over Labor Day went to Mount Hermon and uh, to family camp there. And uh, the theme at Mount Hermon, every year they have a different theme for their summer family camps. And this year's theme, uh, does anybody like board games? Okay, I see some heads. I only see about eight hands. Okay, I see two hands there. All right. So maybe half of us or so like board games. I get it. I get it. A lot of you, a lot of you must love video games. I understand. But board games, there's, there's a particular one. I don't know when it came out, but our family loves it. At least Susan and I do. Uh, it's called Settlers of Catan. Anybody familiar with Settlers of Catan? Yeah, it's great. You, you build settlements. It's in sort of a make-believe uh, arena years ago. And, and you have to acquire certain materials like wood or stone. And, and you're building settlements, and then you crush your opponent. It's great. <laughs> Very Christian. But the theme at Mount Hermon this year was Settlers of Hermon. And uh, play on words, of course. And the idea with it was that uh, the invitation was we were reminded every day to learn what it is to be settled in the love and peace and presence of the living God. You know, some people go through their life wandering, looking for things in their life. They wander and they seek and they search. And the invitation at Mount Hermon this past weekend was to be settlers in the love and presence and the peace of God. To learn what it is to receive the love of God and to share it out with others. But you know, there, there are things that work against such a settled life. There are factors that compete against the ability to uh, live a contented life. Sometimes we buy the lie. We say things like this, If I just had more, then I would be happy. So we, we live our lives in this particular area of life, maybe income level or uh, circumstances, and we say, if I could just climb up to this particular level, then, then I'll know what it is to step into happiness and contentment. But what most people find on their way up the ladder is that that, that next rung doesn't quite do it, and so there has to be another rung, and then another rung, and the line continually shifts and moves because the issues needed to understand and to walk in contentment are never fully embraced and understood. So sometimes we buy the lie that if I just had more, or sometime down the road, I will be content. That's not how it works. Uh, sometimes we have unfounded or uh, expectations that really are, are not founded in the truth of the Scripture. Sometimes we catch ourselves saying, or thinking, or deeply believing, if... Uh, that I deserve, and you fill in the blank, I deserve, I deserve this new house, I deserve this new job, I deserve this relationship, I, I deserve this, I'm entitled to this. And sometimes we, we have certain expectations that are not God-given, they're not biblically informed, and so we get frustrated when things don't come the way we think they should because our expectations aren't aren't anchored and tied into and woven through the Scripture. Sometimes we despair in our lives because we begin to compare our lives to other people. We begin to say, oh, man, this friend has this much money or they'd take this vacation or they bought this car or whatever. And we begin to look and all of a sudden, all of the great things that God has provided for us look small or meager. And we begin to look at what we don't have. And that becomes the focus of our life. And suddenly... That, that's not the soil where contentment is able to grow. So there are many others we could list off, but here, here's what I want you to hear this morning, is that we are made as people who are designed to settle into contentment. 
We don't settle for it. We settle into it. Contentment, you see, is a learned, a learned character quality. It's a learned attitude. It's something that doesn't come naturally in our sinful state. It's something that has to be taught and trained and worked into us. Uh, we're going to look in a minute in Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to there. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to, uh, before we read there, I'm going to read a couple of verses out of Proverbs chapter 30. I know we went through the, some of the Proverbs in the summer and I just can't find my way out of them. Proverbs, I'm going to look at Proverbs chapter 30, but we're going to uh, flip quickly to Philippians. Because the writer of this particular proverb has something interesting to say about the attitude by which we approach God and the way that we appropriate the things around our life and we put wrong trust and hope in whatever our circumstances are instead of placing our full confidence in God regardless of our current circumstances. Here's what Proverbs 30, beginning of verse 7, says, Two things I ask of you, O Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Don't we live in a county where that happens repeatedly? Achievement, high achievers, highly educated, so successful, and we struggle with being contented in the Lord. Verse 9, it says, Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. You see, wealth and poverty can be deceptive, both of them. They're not the solution to life's problems either way. Too much can lead to a denial of God, a sense that I'm adequate and self-sufficient and I don't need Him. Too little can lead to desperation where I lurch out to meet my particular needs apart from God uh, and regardless of what it takes. But the Bible calls us to think about how we settle into contentment because contentment is learned. Having a lot certainly eases some of the base concerns of life, there's no doubt. But it also can be a cover-up for some of the deeper needs that our hearts cry out to have met. You see, sometimes wealth masquerades as contentment. Have you ever noticed that? It can be a mask and it can help bring us into a false sense of thinking that because I have my particular needs met, then my life is content. But that just couldn't be further from the truth because so many still seek uh, psychological counseling or, uh, you know, wealth never has healed a broken marriage, but God can. Settle in Him. Wealth has never provided ultimate meaning to a teen overwhelmed by the push to achieve. And so we're called to settle in God because He can help. Madeline Levine in her book, The Price of Privilege, opens up with a stunning picture, an illustration from her therapeutic practice. And she uh, deals with people right here in Marin. And one particular uh, client that she had was a teenage girl who had every advantage. She had a parent or a family structure who loved her, provided everything she could ever want, put her on the path to success. And yet... Madeline Levine noticed that uh, this girl's life, that that in itself didn't bring contentment to her life. Madeline Levine noticed that this girl was cutting herself. In fact, in spite of all of the wealth and all of the opportunities afforded to her, she had carved into her forearm the word empty. 
See, we know that wealth itself is not the solution. It can bring certain benefits, of course, but it doesn't solve our settledness. It doesn't provide contentment, but God can. You see, wealth uh, has never supplied wholeness to a wounded heart where people seek out self-medicating issues like drugs and alcohol. God is the one who can heal a heart. Settle in Him. Having a very little certainly painfully highlights one's needs and what he or she may lack. A person in poverty, of course, has the needs of their life on the very forefront of their thinking all the time. And it's a difficult, aching life. But it alone doesn't cause discontentment. I remember when I first stepped off a boat in uh, Lake Victoria in Uganda. We went to visit the Bavuma Islands, and uh, a place where there's no, no electricity, it's camping life, uh, cooking is done with charcoal stoves. And we first stepped off, we're, we're coming to deliver um, uh, medical supplies, and um, we stepped off, and I was so stunned at how the village came out to greet us, and especially the children. And it didn't take long to realize that the children had on everything that they owned. They had a, a t-shirt, which was often torn and tattered, maybe a pair of shorts, and sometimes a, a broken pair of shoes, often just a single flip-flop or just barefooted. But what I did notice out of those villagers that came, many of them were, were believers, was that the fact of their poverty, yes, it was crushing and it was painful, but it didn't determine their level of contentment with life. They came and greeted with smiles. They came with love and expectation and hope and the greeting of the Lord. You see, what we know spiritually is that both poverty and wealth present equally problems and opportunities. How you respond to either determines your level of contentment. Because wherever we find ourselves in the situations of our lives today, whether we are in a lot or we have a little, we stand at the trailhead where we have decisions to make. Either we can turn and walk with God or we can turn and walk away from God, lacking the trust that we need. You see, we settle into contentment because a contented life is something that is learned. The Apostle Paul in Proverbs or Philippians chapter 4, in these three verses, he says it this way. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. I remember several years ago, I grew up, you know, this is one of those verses growing up in the church that I memorized. And I, always, I didn't always know how to apply it. I just knew if things got tough. I just I knew that I could find my strength in Jesus. And I remember having my mind blown when I realized that this verse was settled. It's nestled in this passage about financial security, socioeconomic status. It was that strength, regardless of where we may find ourselves today, that contentment is not determined by those factors. You see, we can do all things. We can live well if we, and rightly, if we have a lot, we can live 
well and rightly if we have very little. Because we can do all things through Jesus who provides our strength. You see, the Apostle Paul says that contentment was something he had learned. In fact, it says it, uh, if you were to look back in verse 9, he says, the things that you have seen in my life, learned from me, put them into practice. Then he picks up this word again in verse 10, um, he, or in verse 11. He says, I have learned to be content. Those two words in verse 9 and 11 are a word that describes sort of the, the classroom sense of learning. Or it's hearing a pastor talk to you about contentment, right? You might think, yeah, contentment's a pretty good idea. Contentment's something, yeah, I, I think I need to be a little bit more contented. But you're hearing it from me or someone else. You may be reading it in a book and you know it's good to, to do. But then later he says a second time in verse 12, I have learned, whether well-fed or hungry, I've learned the secret, that's what it's talking about. That has a much uh, broader experiential component. I'll give you an example. I uh, am coaching my younger son's soccer team this year, and I've never played soccer, I, uh, which is kind of dangerous to volunteer to do a sport you've never, never played. So I, I had no idea about drills, none of that stuff. And so uh, fortunately <clears throat> for newbies like me, they offered some training, and it was really good. They had these about 50-year-old twin brothers from England who came. They're really funny. and uh, In fact, I left the weekend using the word rubbish a lot. <laughs> That's not a word I ever speak, but all of a sudden it was incorporated into my vocabulary. I said, it came out of my mouth a couple of times. I said, what am I saying? British friends, what are you doing to me? But they, uh, we were invited for three hours on a Friday night to do a classroom training. We talked about a lot of things, and it was really good. But then the next Saturday morning, the day right after, for four hours we went out and we did on-the-field training. And it was an experiential reality. And blending the two was so wonderful. And so often you need both, right? And uh, employers are learning this and have developed this over the previous recent decades. But being a soccer coach and coaching a sport I've never played before, um, I have a much better understanding now, not just watching and listening to somebody else talk about it, but actually having gone out in my shorts, in my t-shirt, with my water bottle, sweating, <laughs> breathing heavily, doing the drills, running, realizing, wow, this is kind of tiring, <laughs> knowing that I can't just practice my boys for 90 minutes without a break or without giving them some water, right? I wouldn't know those things as well if I had not gone through the experience, the experiential training, the development, the learning that comes by doing. You get what I mean? And so when Paul talks about the, the thing that he has learned to be content, you see, Paul knows what it is. Paul was head and shoulders above his peers in his career path. And then God calls him. You see, he was, he was a Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the church, you might remember. And then God met him on that road to Damascus in this blinding light. I've never seen a blinding light. Paul heard this voice. God was calling Paul in a very particular way to a particular ministry. Amazing, the story. Go back and read it in Acts. What's interesting, though, is that Paul didn't say that in that moment God somehow just downloaded contentment into my heart. Because he says later to the Philippian church, I learned. He says it three times about learning. I, I've learned contentment. Both in that I, I know that it's good, the Bible teaches it to me, other people have, have spoken to me about it, I've seen other people live it, 
But then God has put me in situations where I experience the opportunities afforded, whether I have a lot or a little, to test my heart and to know where my quotient of contentment lies. Does that make sense? You see, it doesn't matter about our circumstances. That really is not the issue. Paul says, whatever the circumstance, I've learned contentment. In any and every situation, I've learned contentment, whether well-fed or hungry. Right? Whether I have a lot or a little, living in plenty or want, I have learned the secret of being content. And what was the secret? For I can do what? All things through whom? Through Christ. Through my relationship with the living Jesus. And as it develops and grows stronger, and as God presents opportunities of experience in my life, I get to learn what it is to live and to choose Contentment. I get to learn what it is to trust God when I don't know when my next paycheck is coming. I get to learn to expand my generosity when God has blessed me with much. I get to learn what it is to, to give and to share and to participate in the work of God, not out of guilt, but out of love and out of a heart that is rooted in generosity. The Apostle Paul, after that call in Damascus, he knew what it was like to be imprisoned, he knew what it was like to go and ask churches to help support his ministry. He knew what it was. He's not talking about things he didn't experience or taste or know. He says, I know what it is, whether I have been in a season of plenty or a season of great need, I have learned contentment. I've learned to walk with God in contentment. You see, we settle into Contentment. It's not just laid over us like a blanket. It's not downloaded like off a flash drive. It's something that is learned. Contentment is learned. Paul settled himself in the goodness and the presence of Christ himself. So that really is our question today. It all begins as we think about generosity. As we think about stewardship. As you think about your ability to be generous and to be active in the, the work of God, to be participants in it, experiential participants. Yeah, there, you'll be asked to consider, you have been asked to consider, what, what part financially God might want you to play in this church's ministry for this coming calendar year. You're going to be asked to consider uh, how God is investing and in, in giving and providing spiritual gifts to you so that you might... Be sure that you're bringing those to bear into the body of Christ. You might be asked to consider your priorities and time and how you are offering that back to God as a great gift to Him. It all begins with the attitude and knowing that contentment is a learned reality. So here's the question. Are you today contented in Jesus? In a lot or a little, it all stems from the depth and the ongoing relationship that you have with the person of Jesus. I have learned the secret of being content, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. God, this is our prayer this morning, that You would speak to our hearts, that it's not just my voice, that it is Your Spirit's penetrating a heart, whispering into an ear, conjuring things to a mind, that today we would examine our lives before You 
not so much before each other. For we know that contentment, God, is not in the quantity of what we have, but in the quality of our service back to You. That's what generosity is. So help us, guide us. We pray in the five weeks ahead that You would speak to our hearts, that You would shape this church body, that Your Word would be the one speaking and providing and shaping us. We pray it all in the name of Jesus, the One who came, the contented One, the One who teaches us to be content. It's in that name that we pray. Amen.